The scripture reading today is from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of the Lord. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea in the west shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for in three days you are to cross over the Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God gives you to possess. The word of the Lord. Let's bow before God in prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the stillness of this moment and pray that within it we would hear your voice speaking to us through the scripture and through the proclamation of your word by the power of your Holy Spirit. So speak and grant us ears and hearts and minds and limbs to listen and as Joshua did, to follow. In your name, Lord Jesus, we ask this. Amen. Last Sunday, I came to the end of my summer preaching series in which we were looking together at the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, though our guest preacher next Sunday, Dr. Cheryl Sanders, is going to be preaching from Deuteronomy one more time. Today, though, I want us to focus on the sequel to the book of Deuteronomy, and many people don't realize that that's what it is, the sequel to the book of Deuteronomy, which is the book of Joshua, the book that follows after it in the pages of Holy Scripture. And I want us to focus on the character of Joshua himself, the central character, obviously, of the book that bears his name. So Deuteronomy takes us in the story of God's ancient people to the end of the life of their great leader, Moses. In the scripture, 
If you look next to Jesus, Moses is right up there as a great, great leader. He has led the people of Israel out of slavery when they were slaves for 400 years in Egypt. He has led them across the Red Sea. He has led them for 40 years through the middle of nowhere, the desert, the wilderness, until they are on the brink of the promised land. And then Moses dies before they get into the promised land. And the book of Joshua picks up the story at that point as God's people transition to new leadership under Joshua as they turn this corner quite literally as they cross into a different place in time and space across the Jordan River, entering a new stage of their journey with God. And there are all kinds of obstacles in their way from cities with great walls and soldiers who are fierce and strong and people who seem to look to them like giants. So this was a highly risky moment where success was by no means assured and where the potential for great anxiety was simply enormous. This, of course, is true for all of us in all kinds of ways in moments of transition when we turn corners in our lives, and there are many people turning corners in their lives, uh, even at this moment of time, as they do every year at this time. For example, there are children who are about to begin elementary school. What a huge step that is, or moving into middle school, or then moving into high school, and then there are some who are leaving home for college. And then there are parents who are having to let go of their children. That's a momentous moment or retiring from something that we love, or figuring out what in the world we're going to do next. Is there a corner, in fact, to turn when it comes to COVID and the variants that we hear about, or picking up the pieces after one devastating natural disaster or another, or knowing what to do next after we lose a war in which friends have given their lives or lost a limb? or lost their sanity or their peace of mind. Lord, what do we do around this corner? Not quite sure how to go, what to do next as we turn into a different chapter of life. There's always a risk, even in those things that may seem to us to be relatively trivial. Long ago, for example, I learned something about conducting a service of worship, especially in a church which has beloved and wonderful soloists as our congregation does. One of the most important lessons for a preacher is this. Never, ever allow a soloist to sing a powerful and poignant song or anthem immediately before the sermon. <laughs> because people will not make the transition to the sermon. Doesn't matter how good you think you are, You'll miss point one, you may miss point two, you may miss point three. They will not follow around that corner. So avoid it. If you possibly can, I say to young preachers, just don't do that. We have a choice, but sometimes in life we don't have a choice. And a moment comes, as it did for Joshua, when there really was no choice. I mean, he was where he was, and that was it. There was no, how can I avoid it here? But rather, the question that we have to raise at many points in life is, how can I make sure that I not only survive, but I triumph in this particular moment as Joshua did? In his case, I can't imagine following in the footsteps of a giant like Moses, leading God's people into a new land with all kinds of obstacles in the way. 
But this was Joshua's task. And against the odds, he succeeded brilliantly, and he rose to the occasion. And he did this quite simply because he had resources at hand that were focused on God. He had resources at hand that were focused on God. He had given God a particular place within his life, a God who knew him personally and whom he endeavored with every fiber of his being to know personally as well, a God whose promises could be trusted and in whose promises he attempted to trust with every fiber of his being, a God who prodded him forward when he could so easily have chosen to, well, sort of just be stuck or turn back or simply shrivel and wither away. So what I want us to do today is to look at these resources that Joshua relied on one by one and to think of them in the context of our own lives. First one is this, that Joshua had a living and a powerful and a personal relationship with God, a God he knew and who knew him personally and perfectly. This is something we see in the opening verses of our book and of the passage that we read a few moments ago when Moses dies. And in this moment of transition, this moment of potential crisis, God speaks to Joshua and Joshua is listening. And we're going to see that he goes on to follow and obey and trust in what he hears. God speaks, and Joshua listens. And this is the essence of relationship. There's a relationship there, which then leads to response on the part of Joshua as he moves forward into action. But, and this is really important to remember, it's not as if that relationship suddenly came into being at this moment of crisis, this moment of transition, this moment of change, the turning of the corner, the crossing of the River Jordan. But it took years in its development for this moment to come. Sad truth, though, is that for countless people, God is nowhere or distant in our lives until tragedy strikes. And all of a sudden, when life gets bad or hard or risky, well, we turn to God and then often scream at God and say, where are you? When the truth is, the real question is, where are we? Where have we been? That's the larger truth more often than not. Not all the time, but often that's the time. And not having paid much attention to God, all of a sudden we expect something, which at times can only really come if the relationship has been solid all the way along. No relationship there for the long haul. Until we need it, well, it doesn't quite work like that. But Joshua had a relationship with God established over the long haul, which was a, a source and a resource of great, great strength in his life when this moment, which he knew was coming, would finally come. Over the years, listening to God, being close to God, and ready to trust God in the moment of crisis. We look back to the various incidents in the Old Testament in which Joshua's name is mentioned in the first five books of the Bible in particular. And in the book of Exodus, for example, we find Joshua as Moses' young assistant. He'd been side by side, being mentored by Moses year after year after year, learning not only the laws of leadership from Moses, but learning to interact with God as Moses did. 
So Exodus chapter 33 tells us the story of Moses pitching a tent outside the camp of the people of Israel, and it was called the Tent of Meeting. And there, in a special way, God was present, and the people would come out to this tent. They would meet with Moses, who was communing with God, and they would seek advice and guidance on all kinds of issues of life. Right beside him, though, we're told, is Joshua, always standing there, always eavesdropping, always listening in. And even when Moses left the tent of meeting, we're told that Joshua stayed behind desperate to stay in touch with God, stay connected with God, watching and listening to one who knew God well, until this became part of the fabric of his own being. And there's power in that kind of long-term sustained relationship on a human level as well as a divine level, on a divine level, and then, yes, on this human level as well. The late New Testament scholar William Barclay tells the story of two friends who served together in World War I. One of them, he says, was wounded and left lying helpless and in pain in no man's land between the trenches. The other, in dark peril of his life, crawled out to help his friend. And when he reached him, the wounded man looked up and simply said, I knew you'd come. I knew you'd come. How do you know that? Not because of a new and recent acquaintance which suddenly had been made, but a friendship forged over the course of time over the years, bringing enormous comfort, enormous power, even in the face of tragedy, pain, suffering, risk, anxiety, and all of those other things. Our relationship with God, established over the years, is so critical and so important. And it starts with, well, those same old things, praying, talking to God, turning to God deliberately, and talking directly to God, and listening to God primarily through the scriptures that God has given to us. Pick up the book and read, and do these things on a regular day-by-day basis. Nothing hard, open to everyone. And that relationship can be forged and bring us enormous strength, as it did for Joshua, who when he forged that relationship with God, discovered that the God with whom he had a relationship was a God who not only spoke but made promises. I find this to be remarkable, that the God of the universe, quirks and quarks and multiple universes and black holes and all those other things, and never forget that this is the God in whom we trust, should choose, should, should, should deign to make promises, commitments to us. But this is the God in whom we believe and in whom Joshua believed. Our passage is filled with such promises from God, great promises about the land. That's why we call it the promised land, about success and about strength and about God's assured presence with us. So let me read some of those verses again. God speaks to Joshua and Joshua is listening. God says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you as I promised to Moses. Promise number one. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea in the west shall be your territory. No one shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Promise number two. As I was with Moses, 
so I will be with you. What a relief. Promise number three. I will not fail you or forsake you. Promise number four. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. This is more of a commandment. This is about relationship building. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that's written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous and then you shall be successful. Another of God's promises. God wants us desperately to succeed. Thinking about these particular promises, one of them has been particularly important in my life. When I first made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was at a camp. It was the summer of 1965. I was a teenager. And one of the promises in this passage made all the difference in the world in my life at that time as a teenager and does still to this very day. The promise of friendship and strength embodied in the words, I will not fail you or forsake you. God's word to you and me and Joshua, I will not fail you or forsake you. As I look back over the last 50 plus years since then, I cannot think of a single moment in my life when that promise was not kept by God. And especially at those moments that involve the turning of a corner, the moving into a place in which I had never been, where there was risk that seemed to be higher than normal, leaving my family and my country, changing from being a math major, in which I didn't have to read a single book or write an essay for years, to studying theology and preaching, getting married at age 23, coming here to D.C., Turning corners, adventure, movement, risk, all of these. But with a God who makes promises and keeps them. The Bible is filled with promises like these. In fact, I have right with me here a little book called 199 Promises of God. And for those of you in the sanctuary, you can pick up a copy of these promises as you leave the sanctuary today. And if you're watching online, you can write to Leslie Psalm to pick one up or leave a message in the guest book saying you'd like a copy, and we'll get a copy to you. Bible filled with promises to be a foundation in our lives when everything else is shaky, and they do not shake, they do not move, including the promise with which our service began from the book of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own insight in all your ways. Acknowledge God, and God will, this is the promise, direct our paths. The corner that Joshua was turning and the massive transition in his role in life was still scary, still filled with plenty of risk, but armed with promises like these, Joshua could, for a moment at least, take his eyes off everything that he could see in front of him, highly problematic, and lift them up to God and find there this solid rock on which his life could depend. And he did that and knew that God would give him the power to succeed. And that enabled him in the third place to muster the courage, as God told him to do, to follow the call and the command of God. The constant, at times it seems incessant, prodding of God for us to move forward into the land that God has for each of us. Listen again to Joshua chapter 1 and the commands 
that are given. This is a passage filled with promises and commands. The commands that are given to Joshua, command number one, proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people. Command number two, it's repeated three times, perhaps because God knows how prone to fear and anxiety we all are. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Command number three, be careful to act in accordance with the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Maintain that relationship with me for which you were created. Command number four, like it. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. This is not to be casual. And it's not to be just when you need it, but at all times. Command number five, do not be frightened or dismayed. Keep your relationship with me strong, says God. Move ahead, not backwards, not standing still, but ahead. I have something for you ahead. And do not give in to your fears. One of my favorite stories that I think I've shared with some of you before, at least, about somebody who utterly needed to depend upon God's power is about a man called Bill Spence, retired college professor, who, when he was a young boy, lived in Minnesota. He had a stammer and he had a stutter that made him shy and awkward. And his friends at school were mean. They would ask him to speak words that they knew he could not say without stammering or stuttering, and then they would laugh at him. And whenever a teacher in a class asked him a question, everybody was waiting for the hesitation and the answer that would be given to him there, staring at him. And so he wanted to move away from all kinds of relationships with people and just be by himself alone. And when he entered his teenage years and needed to get a job, he got the perfect job for him. He found a job in a church at 3 o'clock in the morning. So we're going back a while, and the furnace in the church in which he worked needed to be lit by somebody on campus at 3 o'clock in the morning. And that was his job. In the middle of a Minnesota winter, he had to go out to this church in the frigid cold and light things up. One early morning, he apparently was doing his work, and something remarkable happened. He picked up a hymnal in the pew. Furnace was lit. He was just taking some time. He had to stay there until everybody else arrived. He picked up a hymnal in the pew and began to read a familiar hymn. And Dr. Vince, Norman Vincent Peale takes up the story like this. He says, Bill knew most of the hymns by heart, but now for the first time he paid attention to the words. Impulsively, he began to read the words aloud, and suddenly, after a few minutes, he realized that he wasn't stuttering. In amazement, he listened to his words, clear and perfectly defined, and as they reverberated through the cold, empty church, there was not a stutter to be heard. Surrounded by the rays of the rising sun shining through a colorful stained-glass window, he looked up, and there in the window, he saw the figure of Jesus, who seemed to be smiling down at him and saying, Bill, speak in my name, and don't. Be afraid. And since then, Bill has spoken all his life as a professor for his living. Not stuck, not running away, not turning his back on things, not incapacitated or paralyzed, but moving ahead 
quite a road that lay ahead of Joshua, following in the footsteps of Moses and leading people into a land that was occupied with cities that were powerful and defended and with soldiers who were well-trained. And you've just got this ragtag army behind you of people who are just trying to get from one place to another. But he did it. And he did it magnificently because he was led by a God who knew him personally and whom he made endeavor, every endeavor, not only just the bad times, but in the good times as well, to know personally himself. And we've been called to do the same. Led by a God whose promises are numerous and could be trusted, and in whose promises he did trust. He staked his life on what God had said. A God who prodded him forward, sometimes incessantly, sometimes annoyingly, but forward, forward, forward. I have a future for you, a call, without which our lives are lost and commands. Joshua listened to those and heeded the call and the command and laid aside his fear. Joshua's God is our God too. Isn't that the case? And the future into which Joshua walked, well, that's God's future as well. And our future is God's future too. And when we walk with him on the road that he sets, that future for all of us is as bright as it can be. Let's bow before God in prayer. Let's pray. Almighty God, humble us beneath your great throne to remember these great truths that we as small human beings should never take for granted, that you know us and love us and make us promises and have commands for our lives, which are the maker's instructions for the best life possible. May we place our lives and our church and our nation and those who suffer in the world into your hands for your care at this time. Through Christ we pray. Amen.